For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to another edition of After Hours with Tifo and Luby. I'm Jeff DeForest along with Mike Luby Lubitz. Happy to be coming to you around the world on the Believe, B-L-E-A-V network. And uh, happy to have uh, with us once again as uh, we've been zeroing in on the NBA postseason. It gets underway, I suppose you would say, the actual postseason gets underway on Saturday. And tonight we'll find out who the final couple of entrants are going to be in the real tournament, the uh, real NBA playoffs. Uh, joining us right now, and, and this guy is great uh, and a fantastic uh, contributor all over the uh, years uh, when it comes to NBA material with the Associated Press uh, operating out of New York. The great Brian Mahoney joins us on the program. Uh, Brian, how are you? Thanks so much for joining us on After Hours. Oh, thanks very much. Great. How are you? Mr. Mahoney. Uh, we're doing great. Uh, you know, I, I thought of you this morning when Luby told me that uh, you were going to be our guest here on After Hours because, um, you know, I start every day with my New York Post uh, as we get started for our other show on Ion Channel uh, early in the morning here on the East Coast. And um, I was curious about this because we've asked our last couple of analysts that have come on the program uh, regarding the NBA what, what they thought about the expanded playoff format. Now, my man Phil Mushnick in the Post, uh, I don't know if uh, you read this, uh, says, uh, this NBA play-in reeks of another made-for-TV money gimmick. <laughs> And there are people that are very cynical about it, and yet at the same time, uh, I don't mind it. I mean, uh, there seem to be pluses and minuses for it, and I think the pluses might outweigh uh, whatever negative perception there is about this being uh, just a stinking money grab. But uh, what are your thoughts about the the whole play-in format that's now in play in, in the National Basketball Association? Well, uh, yes, you do want to make more money. So that's not wrong. But, uh, you know, I, I, I like it in that, you know, the idea of it has made some teams sort of keep competing that normally you wouldn't have otherwise. And, uh, you know, it gives you sort of a second shot. If you have this year, you know, uh, the last couple of years has been tough with obviously COVID and some teams missed guys over the course of the year and, and maybe they fell back a little bit, a team like the Nets. And it gives you a chance to, you know, be in that top 10, not the top eight, but uh, and keep your chance alive and then get in this playing tournament. So I think it's brought some excitement. Obviously, the two games the other night, a lot of people watching. So I think it's been good overall. I, I, and I think a lot of people have the same impression. Talking with Brian Mahoney from the AP about the NBA here after hours with Defon Luby on the Believe Network. Sticking with the playing tournament, the team that <laughs> you would have thought they definitely you, they were a top three seed the way they've been talked about the last month. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets did secure themselves the seventh seed. They will take on the Boston Celtics this weekend in the first round of the NBA playoffs. You're in the New York area. You're in the Northeast. You probably cover that team definitely a lot more than we've seen that team. Uh, you got Katie, you got Kyrie, but again, the defense has been an issue. What are your thoughts on the Nets and their actual chances to get out of this round, let alone make a deep run in the playoffs? Well, I, you know, I think they obviously are playing much, much better than, you know, a normal number seven seed uh, since Kevin Durant came back and Kyrie Irving was able to play full time. Uh, they've been much sharper, obviously, but, 
Uh, the downside of that is when you start as far back as they are as a number seven seed, you're going to be playing good teams right away. And, uh, you know, Boston is terrific in a first-round matchup. And, you know, no matter how good the Nets may be, uh, that's a really good team to have to beat on the road. So that's going to be tough. And then if they survive that somehow, then you're looking at playing Milwaukee, the NBA champions in a second-round match. So, uh, you know, they have a long road ahead of them. They certainly, uh, you know, are a team that can do it. But it's asking a real lot, no matter how good you are, no matter how good Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are, they're in a tough spot right now. Brian Mahoney of the Associated Press, our outstanding NBA writer with us and analyst with us here on After Hours with Defoe and Luby. Uh, this was interesting to me, and I'm sure you'd be able to address this and speak to this as well, because we had an interview the other day with a longtime Heat play-by-play broadcaster, been there since the inception of the franchise, Eric Reed. And uh, he was alluding to uh, the sensitivity that players have to uh, things that are written and said about them, uh, as if it stood out more so in the NBA than maybe it even does in other sports. And we know that basketball is an ego-driven game, uh, maybe as much as any. But uh, have you found that uh, players were, or coaches were particularly sensitive to, to things that you wrote about them uh, over the years, uh, more so than maybe uh, you would expect them to be? You know, I think social media changed that a little bit because it used to be, you know, look, your story was in a newspaper and if you didn't read the paper that day, you didn't know about it. Now, you know, stuff gets on Twitter, it gets retweeted, somebody sees it and either the player sees it or their friend sees it and lets them know about it. Maybe they don't actually ever read the story, but they're aware it was written. So I think they are more aware. I don't know if they are more upset about it than they used to be, uh, but at the same time, I just think uh, they know what's out there more than they would have used to know. Yes, and this tied into uh, the conversation about the so-called uh, Heat culture, which uh, the Heat, uh, even though they had the best record in the East, which was very, very highly competitive uh, this year, and any number of teams could have emerged as the best, but uh, the Heat were that team, and yet they're 5-1 uh, to one or 10-1, to one, actually, I think, to win the championship, 10-1. to one. Uh, maybe fourth or fifth uh, among the teams uh, that are ranked uh, by the Las Vegas odds makers. And Eric Reed was saying that uh, they had taken exception with, with things that were being written and said about them and that they're using that, uh, you know, like pasting it on the bulletin board uh, as incentive. And, and that seems to be very vintage uh, Miami Heat culture or typical of what you would expect uh, this organization to be all about. But uh, should they feel that way, Brian Mahoney? Are, are they being dissed a little bit, even though, they beat all of these teams during the course of the regular season. You know, they probably should be a little, uh, you know, feel like they're not getting respect. They are the one seed. Uh, you know, they, they should be looked at a little bit, and they are. I don't think anyone is saying they're not good or anything like that. I, I just think they're not quite, you know, this great, sexy team. Uh, the NBA, for as long as we know, is, you know, sort of governed by their superstars. And, uh, you know, Kevin Durant or Giannis or – uh, you know, go on and on about some of these other teams in the East to, uh, you know, Jason Tatum and Boston. You know, the Heat have great players, but none of them really are on that sort of A-list level, if you will. Uh, they're all, you know, quite a few highly respected, you know, Butler and Bam and, and so on and so forth. But they're not quite those those guys to a lot of people, I guess. So they don't get the same buzz. But uh, I certainly wouldn't, wouldn't say the Heat aren't as good as any other team. They, uh, you know, they can win this for sure. All right, how, how would you stack them up if you were going to handicap the Eastern Conference? And uh, who, Brian Mahoney of the Associated Press, uh, do you possibly see 
uh, emerging. I, I know it's tough, uh, you know, to choose. And uh, oddly, you know, we're a few minutes into this conversation uh, about uh, teams that could win it, I guess, and uh, good teams in the playoffs. And, and Milwaukee hasn't been mentioned. And yet we also know that the NBA is very much a chalk league. And it seems entirely possible that we could see a rematch of last year's uh, finale with, with Phoenix and Milwaukee uh, emerging from their respective conferences. Yeah, you know, I, I would probably pick a rematch if I had to, you know, uh, you know, Phoenix, I think, has just been so head and shoulders above everybody this year. I think they just do everything well. Uh, you know, I would have to pick them in the West and in the East. Um, you know, a little more balanced. Uh, there are, you know, uh, some some really good teams. But if everyone plays their best, I'd pick Milwaukee. Uh, you know, I just, I love their three, you know, superstars. Obviously, Giannis has gotten better every year and, and, uh, you know, they have the experience from last year. Their defense is great. So, uh, you know, if we're looking at the same two teams in the finals as last year, I would not be surprised at all. I think they, you know, I think they're the teams who I would probably focus in on. We're talking with AP NBA writer, reporter, Brian Mahoney. Follow him, hit him up on Twitter, at Brian C. Mahoney. It's funny, we talk about the Heat being underrated, at least down here we're doing that a lot. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies had a better record than the Heat, had the second-best record in all the NBA past the Golden State Warriors, who looked like they were going to be the favorites early in the season to win it all. And I actually sort of side with those who underrate the Grizzlies because, again, the NBA, especially through the 80s to today, we've seen young teams have to make a climb before they can win it all. But this team doesn't play like a young team. This play team is deep. They're talented. They win with or without their superstar. They're well-coached. They're grounded. They seem to do things we haven't seen young teams in the past do. What chances do you give the Grizzlies to actually be a thorn in the side of the Suns? Well, everything you said, I agree with. Uh, You know, the only reason people are probably saying they're not sure Memphis can win is because they're young. And young teams can win if they're that good. And uh, they are that good. Uh, They have an unbelievable player in Morant. And they're so deep that they win when he doesn't play. So... They've beaten so many good teams. They, they've crushed teams in some games. Uh, so, you know, the, the only reason I'm not picking Memphis is because of how good I think Phoenix is. But, you know, if, if it's I'm not, not picking Memphis because of any other excuse I can make up. Uh, they are really, really good. Steph Curry uh, scheduled to come back, uh, play uh, maybe limited minutes uh, in the first game for Golden State. Uh, how, how dangerous do they become? Because uh, many people thought, and, and early in the season, it looked like, oh, wow, they're going to get Clay Thompson back, and they were playing great basketball. But uh, then, then things fell apart uh, due to a variety of, uh, of injuries and, and circumstances. Um, how, how dangerous of a threat, much like the Nets are in the East, is Golden State actually in the West to uh, – pull off over to appear to be a mild upset well you know it depends how healthy you know uh steph is i think and you know the other problem for them is just they have had so little time they're three guys together and, and i know they feel that uh, you know all the experience they have uh, they'll figure it out quickly but you know it's they you know steph has barely played with clay you know clay's barely played with draymond and all three barely played together and it's just a lot to ask. Uh, can they do it? Sure. We, we know what they've done in the past and everything like that. And obviously, Jordan Poole's had a real nice year. He's going to be good for them in the playoffs probably. But, uh, you know, it just seems like when you haven't had the time on the floor, uh, it's a challenge for anyone, even a team like Golden State. And, uh, you know, we, we've seen, you know, Phoenix, the guys have all played together. They've built that over the course of the year. Uh, let's see if Golden State can do it. 
Brian, uh, just getting back to the Nets for a second, it, it's interesting because we saw it here with the Heat. Yeah, you want to get your stars in, but if you have a group of players playing well together, forcing in players at this point in the season doesn't always work out so well. There's a lot of murmurs about Ben Simmons getting in this series versus the Celtics. Not sure if it's going to be game one or uh, when. What are you hearing about Ben Simmons not only playing major minutes, just playing at all in the series versus Celtics? Well, they've said all along, if he gets healthy and gets cleared, they're going to play him. Uh, you know, I have the same sort of questions. If a guy's been out for an entire year, uh, can you really put a guy in and expect them to contribute, you know, this late in the season? It's a, it's a tough ask. And, uh, but they say they're going to do it, and he's, you know, inching closer. It's still a little ways to go. He's still not fully practicing, so he's got to work back up to that level. So if he gets back in at all, it's going to be sort of on the, on the later end of the series. But, uh, you know, if he does, they say they're going to give it a try. It'll be interesting to watch. It's, uh, it's a tough ask to me to, to, to go in without any sort of a season at all and, and then have expecting expectations of, you know, doing a good job. Brian Mahoney of the Associated Press with us here on After Hours with Defoe and Luby here on the Believe Network. Uh, who, uh, in your estimation, will LeBron James eventually choose to be the coach of the Lakers? <laughs> Everybody who's ever picked up a basketball so far has been mentioned as a possible candidate. Red Auerbach. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think they're going to bring back Gene Shue from the grave also uh, to get an interview. You know, it's a, it, it is it is a it's a long list, and you know LeBron has played a couple players. You know, you see so many names out there. He's played a couple places. You know, you hear names that are you know from this place or Cleveland the first time or Cleveland the second time or you know uh, former Heat people. So it, it's hard to really say, and it's hard to really say to be fair if LeBron actually is going to have much say in that. For all we know, LeBron is not going to be a Laker that much longer and doesn't care who they hire. It's impossible to figure that team out. Everything was was so weird this year, so. Uh, I'm not. Re- I'm not really sure at all what to expect on that one. Uh, you know, I, I have. I have no good idea what we're going to see on. You know, the players or the coach. Quinn Snyder. I mean, yeah. his picture has been associated <laughs> with it. Uh, Nick Nurse uh, in, in Toronto. Mark Jackson out of the broadcast booth. Van Gundy. Just about uh, everybody. Stan and Jeff both, uh, both been mentioned. I think the only guy that wasn't uh, subject to speculation on this was Popovich, who uh, got angry when they suggested that he was going to retire. Is he going to retire? What, what do you think on that, Popovich? Last game uh, that he's coached, do we see it? Uh, I mean, I thought once he got to the Olympics, he would be done. You know, he doesn't need to do this anymore. And and uh, But some people say he just loves doing it and he loves coaching the young players and he loves going from city to city and, and uh, going back to old restaurants. So they wouldn't be surprised if he coached till he was 80. So I just, uh, I just <laughs> don't know. Uh, you know, it's entirely up to what he really, you know, he'll do as long as he wants and no one's really sure exactly how long he wants to do it. All right. And one of the odds uh, that the NBA will consider shortening the season to solve Adam Silver's problem that uh, the superstars, don't play in the entire 82-game schedule. Uh, and and would that actually uh, avert the issue, uh, you know, where, where, you know, if they only played 72 games, that you'd still see these stars sitting out about 10 of them? Well, they'd still sit out, but it would help. Uh, and it's quite honestly stuff that I think they would have done a long time ago if it wasn't for just the money. The, the, the playing, get 82, uh, 82 games worth of money is the only reason they're still playing 82 games. The, the players don't want to play 82. The team trainers don't want them playing 82. Uh, 
and so on and so forth. But they don't want to get paid for 70. They don't want to get paid for 80. So, but Adam Silver's been talking about it so long. I think he knows the answer to shorten the season. Uh, he wouldn't keep bringing it up otherwise. But they haven't figured out how to make back that money. So that's why we're still doing it. Oh, by the way, too, uh, you're in New York. Did they uh, finally rescind that all-points bulletin uh, looking out uh, for uh, Leon Rose when he uh, surfaced the other day and made a few comments about the Knicks? <laughs> I mean, it's nice to be talked to somebody. He hasn't talked to, yeah. uh, to us, but he did talk to the team broadcaster. And, uh, you know, he's, in all seriousness, he should talk more. Uh, it's, uh, I'm not saying you have to talk all the time. I'm not saying you have to talk a lot of time. You just have to do it once in a while at, you know, beginning season, end season, whenever. And uh, he hasn't done that yet, which is too bad because, as you know, New York, uh, they like to know what's going on in New York. Yeah, that's an understatement. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of speculation uh, <laughs> always uh, concerning the Knicks, no matter how good or bad they are. Uh, Brian, always a pleasure, my friend. Uh, good catching up with you. Thanks so much for uh, appearing here with us on After Hours with Defoe and Luby. Uh, I'll hope to talk to you again as the playoffs progress. And uh, we'll see how uh, Luby's Miami Heat fare, uh, if they can uh, wear this so-called chip on their shoulder and take this disrespect, the old Rodney Dangerfield syndrome, and parlay it uh, into a deep run in the playoffs. So thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, guys. Take care. All right, Brian. Thanks a lot. Man. Always a pleasure. Yeah, Brian Mahoney, AP. Good guy, huh? Yes, sir. Mike Luby Libitz. him for a while. He knows this stuff. He's out of the Northeast, and he's a uh, very matter-of-fact. Matter I, I wanted to ask about the Knicks, but I'm like, I don't think they're relevant on any level to even ask. <laughs> Where are they, man? I mean, uh, you know, for, for all of the genius that they were accredited uh, with uh, last year for uh, making uh, it into the postseason, which uh, they didn't go far, uh, nonetheless, I mean, all of it unraveled this year in, in an ugly fashion. Although uh, one of the strange developments for the Knicks, I don't know what you make of this, Obi Toppin, yeah, yeah, yeah. who, uh, you know, what wasn't exactly seen as a guy that had fulfilled and blossomed to uh, whatever potential he had. As a first-round pick, uh, last couple of games, I mean, uh, I want to say it was the last five or six games, uh, he, he was starting, and uh, he, he really responded. I mean, he looked great. R.J. Barrett supposedly made a lot better. Uh, immense progress this year. I mean, he was scoring more efficiently and doing more things. But uh, badly flawed team. I, I think uh, they were cursed ever since uh, they selected Frank Nikilatina. <laughs> it probably won't be four. And, and thought that he was the second coming of Earl of Pearl Monroe or, or something. Yeah, that, that didn't work out so well, the flying Frenchman. Yeah. They, they made some really bad draft picks. And then uh, even when they drafted players that had ability, they ended up dealing them away and uh, ended up uh, in a jackpot. And then Thibodeau, you know, that, that is not atypical of what seems to happen with this type of coach, uh, the hard-on, old-school, uh, yep. militaristic mentality type of coach that's sour all the time. Man, he, he looked like he was about to pass out a few times from bitterness uh, on the sidelines. Thibodeau. He's like that for years. He, well, he looked bad, yeah. I mean, uh, he, he needs to go visit Dr. Oz or something. <laughs> this guy needs to get on a, <laughs> he needs to visit a, a, a shaman and get, like, peace, you know, like you yeah. know, or hey, Keo or whatever in <laughs> India or something. He, he, he did. He, he looked like Wepner in the 15th round against Ali <laughs> in the fourth quarter of a lot of the games. I, I don't recall seeing him doing any of those uh, innocuous, uh, you know, meaningless, irrelevant interviews where you're thinking, shouldn't this guy be coaching his team? Right? You know, the Dang. guy is sitting there. I mean, Steve Kerr is very polite about this. Eric Spolstra. I mean, imagine, I mean, could they possibly get Popovich would take the fine every night, would he not? Instead of sitting there while plays are going on. And they're like, uh, okay, coach, uh, second half, any adjustments you want to tell us about here? Uh, we got to play better defense and uh, we're going to score the ball more. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that tells me a lot. 
Uh, no, it's great. All right, who do you like in the games here, Luby, before we uh, make our exit for the week here on the uh, Believe Network? Uh, you have uh, the Clippers in New Orleans out west. Clippers hosting the New Clippers Orleans are- Pelicans, and the Pelicans are underdogs. I believe three and a hook yes. is the number there. Clippers are three home, and, a- and they have— Might be four and a hook. Clippers are home, and as long as he's healthy, Paul George is the best player on the court. And unless your team has four All-Stars versus the best player on the court, I go there. So I would I think the Clippers will win— at home versus the Pelicans. And then I think out east, I think the Hawks are figuring it out to a certain extent. I don't think they're going to pull a, a first-round upset, but I think they're good enough to get into the play, into the actual playoffs. And I think the Hawks go on the road and they take care of the injured Cleveland Cavaliers. Cavaliers uh, getting two yeah, and a half two, at home uh, against the Atlanta Hawks, who looked real good in their uh, game, uh, the first game that they played. Against the uh, and uh, that was uh, just the other night, Wednesday night. Uh, and, and uh, you know, in New Orleans, uh, impressive with McCollum and yeah, they have uh, Ingram. a nice tandem. Uh, yeah. And uh, the Zion Williamson thing also, uh, you know, what, what does he do? Does he come out and, and play extended warm-ups tonight? Yeah, exactly. So it's a, just to wow. like intimidate them. <laughs> you weigh like uh, 325 pounds. I, I, I thought, uh, and I'm looking, I'm going, if I'm not mistaken, that looks like Butterbean Ash dunking the basketball. <laughs> I mean, he certainly was rounder than the ball itself, uh, Zion Williamson. Not not supposedly as dedicated to the job. I mean, he was a very charming character. I mean, even though I despise Duke and, uh, you know, was rooting for them to lose every game, uh, you couldn't help but be charmed by Zion Williamson and the way that he approached the game of basketball and seemed to be just a great story. Never mind, uh, you know, some of the uh, considerations he got that were favorable when it came to his uh, qualifications to get into the school. And never mind the uh, four hundred grand that somebody paid uh, his old man for him to assign with Duke. Nobody ever brought that up to Coach K during that uh, final season, did they? No, not at all. What about Zion's money, Coach K? <laughs> Where do you stand on the integrity of that? As Coach K was, you know, talking about how much uh, the game means to him and all of this baloney. Right? Which the truth was, I mean, uh, look, how did he not know that Zion Williamson was getting funneled his cash? You knew it. Which everybody knows about, but have you noticed this? Nothing has been done about it, except, uh, what, Chuck Person might have gone to jail. Yes, I mean. <laughs> and the guy we talked to here on Chuck Believe. Person's doing time while everybody else just skates. Uh, unbelievable. Yeah, it's amazing. All right, uh, a lot of fun being with you all week long. I hope you guys enjoyed the programs here. Uh, very NBA intensive, but Luby's yes. a huge NBA fan, so uh, that was like three days in a row. Uh, I mean, what else is You there? should know everything there is to know about the postseason. You want to talk point. USFL? I'll, I'll bring on a USFL expert for us Monday. Okay. It's interesting. I mean, uh, the Trumpster was the one that buried the USFL. He buried did. him. He did. When uh, he insisted that they uh, go head-to-head with the NFL, which uh, they were doing just fine. They actually were thriving a little bit or on the threshold of making it. And uh, guys were happy, and they they had their own thing going, and they had enough star-caliber talent to be relevant. And who knows? They might have prospered forever, except uh, old Donnie Boy came in there and said, I'm in charge. And the next thing was a burial, and the league uh, prospered to the tune of three actual dollars, as in $1, $2, $3 when they won their federal lawsuit, the antitrust suit against the National Football League. Imagine the laughter that was uh, being, uh, you know, I mean, just uh, raucously exhibited in the NFL offices when that lawsuit decision came down and they were found guilty and they were, uh, you know, fined a buck and they tripled the uh, award in these federal lawsuits. So uh, they ended up getting $3 the entire league. And that equated out to about 12 cents a team. <laughs> <laughs> My buddy inherited a boat. He was a coach uh, with, with the uh, Oklahoma Outlaws, uh, the great Jim McKinley, my neighbor for a while. 
And uh, he, he he thought that this thing was really going to make it. He was having a good time doing it. And he had been a coach uh, at other uh, levels, high levels of college football, and uh, he really enjoyed working uh, with the Oklahoma Outlaws. Renegade League, though, man. But uh, comes back after 37 years, so we'll see at what level of interest yeah, we'll see. the USFL is uh, able to draw. I think the XFL uh, took away and, and made people take a little bit of a dim view of uh, what the USFL possibly could be because it, it was more oriented towards uh, wrestling and show business than it was football. Is that a fair statement? Uh, well, no. I mean, the XFL, this... It had that McMahon flair to it. Oh, 100%. Sure. The second time around was doing okay, and then COVID hit hard, yeah. and they couldn't recover from that. And the USFL was going to come out uh, back around. We interviewed a couple people from it, and they didn't even get to start because of COVID. So we'll yeah. see. They're making the USFL starting this weekend. I think the XFL is going to come back early 2023. And we'll see if either can make it. I mean, I don't mind having football year round. It's just you got to find your niche and you can't try and be bigger than you are and try and over promote yourself. And that's the problem the XFL had the first time around. Yeah. Over promise and under deliver. Exactly. Basically. Which yeah, is right. what we I mean, this is going to be great. It's sensational, spectacular. You show a couple of highlights. Uh, guys are getting blown up. Yes. It's what the people want. They want to see violence. They want to see pain. They want to see suffering. And uh, then, uh, you know, you watch the game and uh, it's Morning. like, you know, what the hell is this? Exactly. The Pro Bowl? My God. <laughs> <laughs> if the Pro Bowl could be televised, the USFL could make it. I, I, I'm going to go ahead and uh, go yes. out on a limb on that. All right, Minnesota Wild to win it all in the Stanley oh, Cup chase, 16-1. to 1. Put your money down on that right now. Uh, flurry, sensational last night against the uh, Dallas Stars, uh, 3-2 victory. And the Wild, I think, are like 12-1-2 in their last 15 games, 12-1-2. So they're on fire, 16-1, to 1, gets you out of the West. They beat the Avalanche in a surprise and uh, knock off whoever comes out of the East, which, uh, Luby, you're hoping is your own beloved. Florida Panthers. We shall see. Possible uh, Stanley Cup aspirations, though, uh, not that far uh, fetched, I I would say. All right, we have to run. Thanks for being with us here. Uh, Tell your friends uh, about uh, After Hours with Defoe and Luby. Google the Defoe Show if you want to see what else we do. Uh, We have a nice uh, little two-hour platform there on the East Coast uh, every morning, and that includes a visual stream as well, so you can see what we look like, and uh, hope you'll continue to download and uh, listen to After Hours next week as we join you again on Monday with the thought that uh, have a wonderful weekend, everybody, and no matter what you're doing, remember, you've got to believe. These days, we're all looking for comfort anywhere we can find it. Thank goodness for Landlubbers Raw Bar and Grill in the plantation location because they are making sure you are as comfortable as possible. First of all, they're not only open for delivery and pickup. All you have to do is go to landlubbersbarandgrill.com for both pickup and free delivery. Their hours have changed a little bit. Monday through Thursday from 3.30 to 10. And Friday, Saturday, and Sunday from 11.30 to 10. You're going to have the best wings in the world. You're going to have a great burger. You're going to have... They're amazing soups. Again, Landlubbers Raw Bar and Grill. It's nice and easy. Just go to landlubbersbarandgrill.com for both your pickup and free delivery. Thank goodness for Landlubbers for making you always feel right at home. Hey, folks, Tony Segreto here. Let me ask you a question. What do you look for when you go out to eat? Good food, obviously. Friendly atmosphere, not too loud, but good energy, reasonable prices, and a place where you feel comfortable. All those ingredients, (laughs) no pun meant there, are hard to find unless you're talking about the Texas Roadhouse. You see, they encompass all of those attributes. Really, really good food, amazing atmosphere, good for a family, good for a date, or just a night out for yourself, and prices that will make you extremely happy. Their ribs unmatched, steaks hand-cut every day, 
Everything, and I mean everything, is made on site, including their incredible bread. It's the one day, folks, that you can forget about low-carb diets. Trust me when I tell you, Texas Roadhouse, your restaurant, your destination, when you say, where should we go and eat tonight? Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.